Did President Trump incite the violence that occurred at the Capitol last week? Should he be impeached for this? Should he be prosecuted? Should he be held responsible in some other way? Perhaps pay a political price? One thing that is unhealthy about how we approach politics these days is when we take a position on an issue in the heat of the moment when we're exercised about a particular politician or a particular policy dispute, we often don't consider the serious implications of taking those positions. This matter is a perfect example of this. Calling what the president said and did at the Capitol incitement will have implications that will last long after President Trump is gone. And I don't think people are really thinking that through. I, I don't think people are even considering that taking this position can have a chilling effect on free speech. Do we want people to fear that they are going to be blamed for any lawless action that occurs after delivering an impassioned political speech? Incitement is a serious legal matter. When considering whether a speech falls within the protections of the First Amendment or whether it constitutes incitement to unlawful action, the courts follow the precedent set out in the case of Brandenburg versus Ohio. Basically, speech can be prohibited if it is directed at inciting or producing imminent lawless action, and it is likely to incite or produce such action. There are three distinct elements to this. There has to be an intent on the part of the speaker, there has to be an imminence of the lawlessness, and a likelihood of the lawlessness. By that standard, nothing the president said even came close. If you review the words that he used, there, there was clearly no incitement to use unlawful action. Frankly, it was nothing more than a normal political pep rally. He thanked law enforcement in the course of the speech. He clearly said, I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically Make your voices heard. You can disagree with his position on the election certification matter, and my point here is not to take a position on that issue one way or the other. However, you don't want to take a position that is going to undermine free speech. The standards that we impose in moments like this and the precedents that we create can very easily be misused in other situations. One of the many things that has been so disturbing and frustrating about the coverage of this particular speech is the way that biased media outlets will focus in on and twist the figurative language that the president is using. In some of the articles that I've read about this speech, there's been an overemphasis on the fact that the president used the word fight 
as though fight means to literally fight, to be physical. When the media portrays statements like this in the worst light possible, it creates distrust and division amongst people, because everyone knows that the word fight is used by politicians all the time. What is so crazy about this is, in recent memory, we've had examples of people who said so much worse, and yet nobody got worked up about it. I'm going to provide some examples. All these examples, all the examples that I'm going to share, in my opinion, they are all within the limits of protected First Amendment speech. But they're pretty rough quotes in some instances. There's some really harsh rhetoric that is closer to incitement than anything that the president said. The first example that I'm going to use is from Maxine Waters, congresswoman from California. At one point, she said, and I, and I quote, let's make sure we show up wherever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from that cabinet, meaning, of course, the Trump cabinet, in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them, and you tell them that they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. The people are going to turn on them. They're going to protest. They're going to absolutely harass them until they decide they're going to tell the president, no, I can't hang with you. Now, I, I think that's protected by the First Amendment. I think Congresswoman Waters was very irresponsible for saying that, I think that she came right up to the line on that, and we know, we now know that in fact people did accost members of the Trump administration and other politicians, Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, Mitch McConnell, and in some cases even Democratic politicians. So Maxine Waters came right up to the line, but I would say even that's protected free speech. I don't like it, it's not good speech. Again, I think it's somewhat irresponsible, but what the president said was nothing compared to that. And you didn't even have anybody question whether or not this was incitement. Uh, th there's another one, another good one, another pretty bad one that I think comes close to the line. That was Chuck Schumer, and he said in reference to the Supreme Court and some of the controversial decisions that were coming before the court, he said, I want to tell you, Gorsuch... I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Now, can you imagine if somebody had actually tried to harm one of these justices? Would we be holding Chuck Schumer responsible? Well, I, I think, again, those comments are very irresponsible. I can't believe he would say something like that. But I would also say that even that's protected free speech. I, I don't think that meets the standard to be considered incitement. And the, the, the out that these politicians would all have was that they would say, well, I didn't intend for the violence. I was just speaking in terms of protesting and whatnot. So I'm very speech protective, even with speech that I don't like. Uh, there's some other ones. Chris Cuomo, please show me where it says... Protesters are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Ayanna Presley, Congresswoman, 
quote, there needs to be unrest in the streets. Nancy Pelosi, I just don't know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there should be. Kamala Harris, but they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. They're not. This is a movement. I'm telling you, they're not going to stop. And everyone, beware. Because they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop before Election Day in November. And they're not going to stop after Election Day. And every, everyone should take note of that on both levels. That they're not going to let up. And they should not. And we should not. Now, you could give Kamala Harris the benefit of the doubt there. And I'm sure she would say, and I believe what she did say, was that she wasn't referring to the BLM violence that occurred all summer long. Her position was she just meant the peaceful protests. Well, fair enough. You can give her the benefit of the doubt, but if you're going to give her the benefit of the doubt, you have to do the same thing with the president. There are some other quotes. I know the president has a tendency to get nasty sometimes, and people will interpret his speeches in light of the fact that he goes down that road. But certainly the, the nastiness doesn't just come from the president. So much has gone the other way as well. I'm going to share some other interesting quotes. Here's one from Joe Biden. They asked me, would I like to debate this gentleman? And I said, no. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and I'd beat the hell out of him. When he said this, of course, he got quite a uproarious applause. There are some more. These are from some actors and actresses. Now, you might say, why do you care what Hollywood people have to say or think? Well, I don't. I don't, but they do have a big platform, and since we're talking about incitement, the late actor Peter Fonda said that Baron Trump should be ripped from his mother's arms and put in a cage with pedophiles. He did apologize for it, but he also said of border agents, he said that we should surround their homes in protest, adding, we should find out what schools their children go to and surround the schools in protest. There was Madonna. Yes, I've thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Uh, Johnny Depp. Uh, when was the last time an actor assassinated a president? Here's an interesting one from a sports figure. This is Colin Kaepernick. Again, I could care less what he says, but he, he does have quite the following of misguided individuals. But he said, when civility leads to death, revolting is the only logical reaction. The cries for peace will rain down, and when they do, they will land on deaf ears because your violence has brought this resistance. We have to fight back. Rest in power, George Floyd. Now, I know some people are also going to bring up the fact that there were others at the Trump rally who used some figurative language. Apparently, former Mayor Rudy Giuliani said that we should have a trial by combat or something like that. But, but again, let's be mature about this. We all know politicians use figurative language. I don't think it's healthy or wise to assume that they mean these things literally. I'm going to share some other quotes from politicians that also used figurative language. One of the first ones that comes to mind is from Eric Holder, former attorney general in the Obama administration. He said, when they go low, we kick them. That's what this new Democratic Party is about. 
former President Barack Obama, if they bring a knife to the fight, we bring a gun. After that, he followed up, because from what I understand, folks in Philly like a good brawl. I've seen Eagles fans. Now look, I, I don't think former President Obama meant that he literally wanted to start a gunfight with his opponents. But again, we're gonna we gotta apply the same standards. If we're gonna give him the benefit of the doubt, we gotta give the president the benefit of the doubt as well. So then another thing about the coverage of the president and the Capitol Hill riot that is just so frustrating and ridiculous and, and even outrageous. There are those who are saying, okay, well, putting aside his actual words in the speech he gave at the Capitol, the the mere fact that he's been promoting this idea that the election was stolen, that this is somehow irresponsible, and this has somehow stirred people up, and at least in some way, this is what caused the riot at the Capitol last week. Well, I disagree with this as well. I think it's crazy to make such a suggestion. There is nothing wrong with challenging an election. Challenging an election is as American as apple pie. People have complained about election results from the very founding of the Republic. And in recent memory, I can recall so many instances of this. Has there ever been an election where people didn't complain? Where, where the losing side didn't say that there was cheating and irregularities? I'm, I recall I had law professors who insisted that George Bush lost both of his elections. And I'm not just talking about the close one with Al Gore. They actually thought he lost to John Kerry. And they had all these theories about fraud in Ohio and, and what have you. I, I had another friend, a good, a good friend. He was very leftward in his politics, very progressive. He would always say that on election night, that when George W. Bush was losing to Al Gore in Florida that Governor Jeb Bush, his brother, had truckloads of votes brought in to tip the election to George W. So, conspiracy theories are nothing new either. And what have we heard consistently for the last four years? How many theories about Russia hacking the election? I believe people took this so seriously that Congress held hearings on this. Stacey Abrams in Georgia still insists she won her election. We've been hearing for years how she was cheated. The fact that people like Stacey Abrams or even on Trump's side or formerly on Trump's side, people like Sidney Powell, the fact that they get up and push these theories, whether they're conspiracy theories, whether they're well-founded or not, they have every right to push these ideas. And to suggest that pushing such ideas is somehow irresponsible or the equivalent of an insurrection is ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. By the way, all this talk about voting machines being hacked, I haven't seen any solid evidence that this is the case, but this is not the first time by any means that this issue's been brought up either. For years I've heard people complain about how these, these machines are subject to hacking, and this has been said in the context of both elections where Republicans won and elections where Democrats won. John Oliver, just a few years ago, had a program about this. And amongst his complaints was the fact 
that with some of these electronic voting machines that there's not a paper record to go back and verify. This is some of the same stuff you're hearing from Republicans now. John Oliver specifically mentioned Dominion voting systems on his program. Of course, the same people will all make fun of this now when, when others make these claims. Regardless, I care less about the soundness of the claim and more about the fact that people have the right to make such claims. And making such claims should not be equated with irresponsible speech or incitement. I just can't believe how nutty some people are getting about this. Even some more moderate politicians are overdoing it with this, comparing it to an insurrection, equating it with a coup d'etat. Joe Manchin was on the news programs the other day, a senator from West Virginia. He was comparing this to insurrection, and he was suggesting that Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley could be removed from their positions because they challenged the election certifications. There are others who are suggesting they shouldn't be allowed to fly on planes, they're having book deals canceled by their publishers. I mean, this is ridiculous, frightening stuff. And it never ceases to amaze me how some people who hold pretty high positions in government and in the legal profession, how some of these people have such an incredibly poor handle on constitutional basics. In Pennsylvania, their lieutenant governor, one John Fetterman, said, this idea that saying Pennsylvania was, quote, rigged, or that we were, quote, trying to steal the election, that's a lie. And you do not have the right that is not protected speech. That is not protected speech. Fetterman doubled down, speaking of the president, he can talk all day about what his favorite football team is, or that he's the greatest president in the history of the world, but no one, Republican, Democrat, or whatever, has the right to say those kind of incendiary lies. Well, I'm not sure which constitution Mr. Fetterman is speaking of, but he's got it completely wrong on the U.S. Constitution. Such speech is absolutely protected by the First Amendment, and the fact that he doesn't understand that is frightening. There is nothing subversive about challenging an election certification. It's not anti-democratic. It is not the equivalent of a coup d'etat. It has been done before, in fact, and it's been done in many cases without much fanfare. Barbara Boxer, senator from California, did this. Other Democrats have done this. Congresswoman Stephanie Tubbs. When Stephanie Tubbs did this, nobody acted like it was some kind of terrible, subversive thing. And some of the Democratic politicians who are hyperventilating about this now had a completely different take on it in years past. Here are a couple notable responses to past challenges of election certifications. This was Nancy Pelosi. The representatives of the American people in this house are standing up for three fundamental American beliefs. The right to vote is sacred, that a representative has a duty to represent his or her constituents, and, the rule, and that the rule of law is the hallmark of our nation. This is not in any way about rejecting that outcome. So please, let us be respectful of each other and understand what it is about. Today's electoral challenge is not intended to overturn the results of the election. It is instead to discuss the real problems with our electoral system and the failings of the process in Ohio and elsewhere. It is about election reform, not about the election result. Well, well this, this statement that she made, this sounds a lot like what Josh Hawley 
and Ted Cruz and some other Republicans are saying. So again, we shouldn't be so exercised about this. Uh, this was Senator Durbin from Illinois. I thank her for doing that because it gives members an opportunity once again on a bipartisan basis to look at a challenge that we face not just in the last election in one state but in many states. Here's what Hillary Clinton had to say about this. As we look at our election system, I think it's fair to say that there are many legitimate questions about its accuracy, about its integrity, and they're not confined to the state of Ohio. I would hope that this body, and thanks to the objection of my friend from California, this debate which is starting today will continue. Then there's Barack Obama. There is no reason at a time when we have enormous battles taking place ideologically all across the aisle, at a time when we're trying to make certain that we encourage democracy in Iraq and Afghanistan and other places throughout the world, that we have the legitimacy of our elections challenged, rightly or wrongly, by people who are not certain as to whether our processes are fair and just. Was Barack Obama being undemocratic? Was he engaging in a coup d'etat? Was this insurrection? Should he have been thrown off planes or had his book deals canceled? Should, should they have been considering whether or not he should be removed from the Senate? You see, when you go down this road, when you have such glaring double standards, this is so much of where the hatred and the division in this country comes from. And the thing is, nowadays, people can find these quotes so quickly. So they see how dishonest the media is. They see that this is yet another attempt to go after the president. And for the people who voted for him, for the people who support him, this is yet another confirmation that they're not welcome in this political process. And the bitterness of these events are going to last long after President Trump is gone. I think this impeachment is a terrible idea. And these bad precedents that are being set are only going to encourage more conflict and bring out the worst impulses that people have. Alan Dershowitz, who's been pretty good on this issue, he said, It cannot be a high crime or misdemeanor for a president to deliver remarks protected by the Constitution. If Congress can pass no law abridging free speech, then it certainly cannot pass one impeachment resolution abridging the free speech of a president. As I said, doing this will only further alienate and embitter people. This will only reinforce the sense that Trump supporters have that they're under siege. But even beyond the political divisions and conflicts, I think we should consider what we're doing to the First Amendment here. The First Amendment is a gift that I don't think we fully appreciate. We have more protections in this country than even most other modern democratic nations. We shouldn't take that lightly, and we shouldn't erode these important protections in the midst of a very tense political time where emotions and tempers are elevated. The ACLU is not one of my favorite organizations, or at least a lot of the people who've run it over the years didn't share my political beliefs. But at times they've been very good about being speech protective. There's a good article, and I'll close with this. But from October 6th of 2010, and this article was in the context of the despicable protesters from the Westboro Baptist Church. These were the people who would go and protest and say horrible things 
at the funerals of some of our soldiers who had fallen in Iraq and Afghanistan. This article was entitled, Protecting Outrageous Offensive Speech. And in the article, they quoted one of their directors, a Mr. Stephen Shapiro, and he said, The First Amendment really was designed to protect a debate at the fringes. You don't need the courts to protect speech that everybody agrees with, because that speech will be tolerated. You need a First Amendment to protect speech that people regard as intolerable or outrageous or offensive, because that is when the majority will wield its power to censor or suppress, and we have a First Amendment to prevent the government from doing that. The article closes with this. It says, The First Amendment was designed to protect offensive and unpopular speech. It is in hard cases like this where our commitment to free speech is most tested and most important. Uh-huh.